Welcome to Painting Corners, your weekly podcast for all things baseball. Now, here are your hosts, Austin Hartsfield and Dave Kwiatkowski. Bill Moriarty from Athletics Farm joins us. Athletics Farm is your one-stop shop for everything A's. Just kind of a heads up for the interview. We actually didn't have the Kyler Murray news yet. Obviously, since you're getting this right now, you know that Kyler Murray is actually entering the NFL draft. We didn't have that information at the time. But then again, I mean, this is the A's offseason preview, so everything changes. This this stuff comes up. Uh, Once again, this is Bill Moriarty from Athletics Farm. Check out the site if you're an A's fan. It has everything that you need, and enjoy the episode. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another off-season preview. This time we have a good friend, Bill, who is on here. He's going to be going over the Oakland Athletics. Bill, how are you doing tonight? Good, good. How are you guys doing? Doing great, as always, here. So, for people that don't listen to the podcast, for someone like you who's coming on, we're just going to go through it really quick. We're going to be going over the opening day roster, projected what we think, where people are going to be. And for the first time in a while, like we talked about off off the air, the A's are actually kind of set. It's it's a little exciting for a small market team. Yeah, it's uh, rare that the A's can kind of project exactly, you know, what their what their lineup and what their position players on the field are going to look like going into the season. But uh, you know, last year a lot of guys really established themselves, and there really are very few question marks heading into spring training in terms of the uh, position players. It's more the, uh, the the starting rotation where where the uh, question marks are this year, uh, which is rare because usually the A's have have their starting pitching a little more sorted out. But it's just the reverse now. There's really really not that many questions in. The, uh, in the lineup at this point. Yeah, there's not many questions there. Pitching really is more injuries than uh, lack of skill or talent there. But probably the biggest question mark for me on this team, looking at the roster, watching them last year and going through free agency this year, what are you going to do with catcher? You got you have two guys under contract and you got a great prospect in your system that goes by the name of Sean Murphy. Is Murphy going to be there opening day or is he going to be a call up later on? No, he's much more likely to come up later. He's only had uh, just, I think, about three games at AAA at the end of uh, last season. And the plan at this point is to start him at AAA um, and, uh, you know, get his uh, get his reps there. Uh, last season, as you know, Jonathan LaCroix was the A's main catcher. He didn't provide a lot of offense, but he, he did a good job handling a pitching staff that was in flux throughout the, the entire season. Um, and uh, Josh Fagley was his primary backup last year. Um, in the offseason, the A's have signed uh, Chris Herman, uh, who's a left-handed hitter. And right now, uh, if things remain the same, it looks like they'll go with a platoon of uh, Herman against uh, righties and uh, Josh Fagley against lefties. Of course, the A's are still, you know, they got an eye on the catching market. And if there's if there's a bargain they can find uh, before the offseason's through, uh, I'm sure they wouldn't be opposed to swooping in. But there really aren't that many options out there. So, you know, if nothing you Emerges at the right price, um, I think they they would be comfortable. It's not ideal, but they would be comfortable going with a Herman and Fagley platoon uh, this season uh, until Sean Murphy is ready, either you know late um, in 2019 or certainly by the next year. The A's definitely didn't want to invest too much in a catcher at this point, knowing that that Murphy is you know no more than a year away. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. They're not in the market to go sign a Ramos or to go trade for JT Real Muto. That's not really the A style. But, you know, prospecting coming up in a platoon role is fine. You see many 
teams do it. Look at the Red Sox, for example. They had a three team, a three player platoon, if you will, with uh, with Swihart there, with some injuries with Vasquez earlier this earlier that last year. So it definitely works. And you know, for the for the pen, penny punching Oakland Athletics, as will will be nice about it, as they don't like to spend some money. Uh, about two million dollars between two players. So you can't really beat that when it comes right. to contracts. Um, another place where they have great contracts and. I'm going to lump them in together. I know Austin's a huge fan of them, so I'm just going to let him talk about them both. But Matt Olson and Matt Chapman, they're going to be here for a while. They have identical contracts. They're close in age. And Austin, just tell tell everybody how great these guys really are. So here's the thing. Matt Olson is going to continue to get better. I mean, he jumped from a 2-7 war last year to a 4-2 war this year. Will continue to get better is a rock there defensively, and that's saying very small what he does. But if he continues to get better hitting, this A's, the A's corner infielders are going to be a force to be reckoned with. Now, if we go across the diamond to Matt Chapman, Matt Chapman is just an anchor. I mean, that, that guy's going to be a platinum glove, platinum glove winner for years to come, much less gold. But he's just a vacuum out there. He makes the A's must-see TV, in my opinion. And nobody actually likes to watch fielding. Let's be real here. But if Matt Chapman's out there and a ball goes to him, everybody's kind of like raising their eyebrows to see what he's going to do next. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, you know, I think he's his, uh, he's one of the most exciting third basemen defensively since since Brooks Robinson. Uh, like you said, when a ball is hit to him, you, everybody actually pays attention. You know, you, you don't you don't take your eyes off him because you're never quite sure what he's going to do. I remember um, the day he was drafted, I was on a conference call with him and I asked him what his uh, what he felt that the greatest strength of his game was. And normally players on draft day tend to, you know, be kind of humble and show, show humility. And he came right out and said, I'm the best defensive uh, third baseman in all of college baseball. <laughs> and I thought if this guy is going to come out and make that claim on draft day. He must be pretty, pretty special in the field, you know, and, uh, and it turned out he, he was, um, you know, he's, he's going to be a gold glover at third base for, uh, for, for years to come for the A's. There's no question about that. And, and Matt Olson is also, uh, you know, a great defensive first baseman as well. Um, and we know, of course, they're both great offensive players too. So these are two very valuable guys that the A's have been looking forward to their arrival for, for quite some time. I mean, Matt Olson was drafted out of high school uh, back in the, um, the, the the draft with uh, Addison Russell and Daniel Robertson. Um, so he's been in the system for a long time. And the A's are really, really delighted to have them both here. And they control them for another five seasons. They've got control of them through 2023, if they like. So, um, you know, these guys are really going to represent the the anchor um, of the A's team going, going forward here for, for a good while. Yeah, is, the, there's just so many likable characters on this team. I mean, there's there's nobody on this team that somebody can look at and go, man, I just don't like that guy. I mean, you have you have guys now like Jerks and Profar, who's basically I used to call him a prospect sweetheart because nobody had any bad things to say about him besides the injury. Right. But I'm a little confused in the middle infield here. So what exactly is going to be the setup? Is Simeon going to stay at short and Profar going to play second? Is Barreto going to get some time? How is that going to work out? Well, it looks like uh, I would expect uh, Simeon to uh, to be a shortstop every day. Um, he's 
kind of been an Iron Man there for the A's the past few years. Last season, he played 159 games. And um, you can probably expect him, as long as he's healthy, to, to do just about the same again this year. The plan is for uh, Profar to be the A's uh, starting second baseman. Um, uh, Barreto, uh, Franklin Barreto has obviously been one of these top hitting prospects for a few years now since they acquired him from Toronto. Uh, he's going to be turning 23 shortly before this season. So he's still, he's still young. Um, you know, a lot of people expected that they might just plug Barreto into the second base hole when Jed Lowry left as a free agent. Um, but I think the A's would, you know, considering they're a contending team now, they wanted a little more certainty at second base. You know, they wouldn't mind giving Barreto a little little more time. He's gotten some major league time. Uh, the main issue with him is contact. He still strikes out a lot. I think they, you know, they'd still like to see him refine his approach a little bit. When he does get the bat on the ball, it really sails and you, you can hear it. It's, <laughs> it sounds great. Um, so, you know, they, they still, I think, have a lot of uh, faith and hope for uh, Franklin Barreto. But right now, since they've become a contending team, they wanted to get a little more certainty in there at second base. And then they've got a little time to break Barreto in. They've got they've got control of Simeon and Profar for the next two seasons, 2019 and 2020. And then they've also got Barreto, uh, who projects more as a second baseman, and Jorge Mateo at AAA, who they got from the Yankees in the Sunny Gray deal. Um, they've got the two of them sort of in reserve uh, to, to sort of take over second and and short in, in a year or two uh, once uh, Profar and uh, Simeon kind of time out. Do you think it's fair to say that you might see Barreto sooner than later only because Profar isn't the best hitter in the world? And if you're going to lose at bats anyway, you might as well throw a younger guy out there. Simeon's an Ironman. Like you said, he plays a ton of games. He's not a Xander Bogart, a you know Manny Machado when it comes to the bat, but sure. solid 250, 270 guy. You know, it seems like everybody likes him. He plays every day. So my only thing is I feel like Barreto might you might see him earlier than later just because of Profar and his lack of hitting ability. But I well, know they I don't think, want to rush it, like you said. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it depends on how things play out. Look, if Profar is hitting well and playing well, he's going to be the second baseman. Um, if Profar's struggling, you know, or he's hurt, uh, you know, and Barreto's playing well. You know, they, then they know they can plug him right in there at second base, uh, you know, without a problem. I mean, he's, he's a great backup option. It's also it's possible. Um, there's been some talk that, that Barreto could see a little time in the outfield this year as well. So it's a question whether or not he makes the opening day lineup. He's probably one of the guys vying for that last spot. Um, but if he does, he could also theoretically platoon with Profar at second. Profar is a switch hitter, but he tends to tends to hit righties better. Barreto's a right handed hitter, tends to hit lefties better better so you you could you know conceive of a second base platoon as well he could also be a platoon left fielder um uh, too where the a's look to employ another platoon situation but again it's a question whether he gets if he gets that last spot he could see a little time in either in either place um if not then they could send him back to triple a and you know just wait to see how things play out but again if profar is a productive hitter you know like he was much of last year Second base could be his on a daily basis. If he, you know, if he struggles or he's hurt, you know, Bredo's always there to step right in and, and could do a credible, incredible job. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it actually starts off the next conversation I wanted to get into, which I was going to say it might make your job a little hard tonight, but you kind of already covered it. You have some great people on this team, like Austin said, great personalities, you know, a very loose locker room, it seems. Stephen Biscotti came over. One of the coolest things that baseball's done in a while. He came over from the Cardinals. His mom was very sick. She passed away last year. And, you know, he lives in California, close mm -hmm. to home. And they were able to do that. 
And it seemed like the guys rallied around him. He batted, what, I think 250, 260. Nothing amazing, kind of like a Semyon, but he plays. He's a great locker room guy. He's a good fielder. You got him on a good contract. They bought out his pre-arb years for a nice $7 million all the way through, basically. Mm-hmm. You're going to have him in right field. He's going to be there. You're going to have Canna in center. I mean, he's going to be on arbitration for a few more years, three more years, and definitely going to be the project there. My question was basically left field. It was going to be Chad Pinder. Was it going to be a guy like Barreto? If not Barreto, let's just take him off the table. Say they want to stick him in the infield. Who's going to be the left fielder? Because we know where right and center is going to be. Yeah, left field is probably one of the biggest question marks in the lineup. Let me just backtrack for a second on on your on your intro to that question. Now, uh, Piscotti was a great uh, a great pickup for the A's last year. He hit 267. He had 27 homers and 41 doubles. Um, so you know he really did have a, a very strong bounce back year. And like you said, they've got him under contract at good price for many years, which is perfect for the A's. That's exactly how they like to do business. Um, so Piscotti has, has been a great addition in right field. And um, you talked about center field. Canna, Mark Canna did see a lot of time there last year. But in the second half, the A's brought up Ramon Laureano. And Loriano really impressed in center. Um, uh, first of all, he hit about 288, and he played a tremendous defensive center field. And right now, if, uh, if opening day were tomorrow, Ramon Loriano looks like he would be the, the starting opening day center fielder. If he can replicate what he did late in the season last year, he'll be the A center fielder for a long time to come. Um, in left field, um, you've got a lot of those guys factoring in. Um, during the second half, they had a platoon that primarily consisted of uh, uh, Nick Martini as the uh, left-handed bat and Chad Pinder as the right-handed bat. Um, also, uh, Canna saw some time out there as well, another right-handed bat when Pinder had to play uh, some infield positions. So, uh, as I mentioned, Barreto could be in the mix out there as another right-handed bat. Also, they've got Dustin Fowler, who they acquired from the Yankees in the Sonny Gray deal, another left-handed bat. These guys are all possible options in left field. Um, If I had to bet how the season would start, I would expect to see uh, the platoon that they ended the season with, which was Nick Martini as a left-handed bat and Chad Pinder as the right-handed bat. Now, a lot of people say Nick Martini is a, you know, a a lifelong minor leaguer, you know, he's going to regress, but. Martini, when he was in the lineup, was the best leadoff hitter that the A's had all year. He had an on-base percentage for the A's last year of 397. Um, and, you know, you just you, you can't look away from that. Uh, Dustin Fowler has obviously had a big uh, prospect status for a long time, another left-handed hitter. But he really hasn't performed well in his time in the majors. Um, he, you know, he has real contact issues. He strikes out a lot. He doesn't take many walks at all, which is problematic, uh, you know, for the A's front office. Uh, last season, Fowler only um, only walked about once every 14 or 15 plate appearances. I think he had eight walks and 190 plus at bats, and he struck out 47 times. So even though he's got he's got the higher you know uh, prospect profile. I think what Martini did last year definitely gives him the edge going into this season. And then on the on the um, the other half of the platoon, Chad Pinder, you know, was the main right-handed bat out there and left. And the A's have, have always liked his bat. He hits the ball really hard. He um, 
he hit uh, 13 home runs and in, in fewer than 300 uh, at bats there. So um, Martini and Pinter look to be the leading candidates. Again, Canna or Barreto could both be in the mix there. Uh, Dustin Fowler with a strong spring could could put himself in the mix there too. So um, that that position definitely is is a question mark. But the A's do have a lot of options uh, heading into the spring there. Yeah, they have a ton of options and. Having Lariano be there as a guy that, like, you know, many people kind of just forgot about, it almost makes Kana the forgotten man. And mm-hmm. that's kind of wild because it almost felt like he was going to be the next big thing out there. And I mean, they have a lot of options out in the outfield, and it's going to take a few months for them to kind of figure it out. But just like the A's always do, they're going to figure it out. And then they're going to have a great little three to four outfield rotation out there and, and probably make the playoffs again. Yeah, uh, that's certainly, I think, uh, the the way they'd like to see it play out. I think, you know, there's also a possibility the A's could use some of those, you know, outfield options to uh, to to make a deal for starting pitching as well. I think a lot of people, a lot of A's fans anyway, you know, wouldn't be surprised to see Canna or Fowler dealt at this point. Um, you know, there's just an excess of guys in that position. And Canna kind of replicates Pinder and Barreto kind of replicates Canna if he starts playing in the outfield. So, um, you know, it's quite a possibility that some of those guys could be moved for pitching. But, you know, there's always injuries in the spring, too. And, you know, there, there might end up being room for, for all these guys in the picture one way or another. So it's not often that you get to say that you have a Heisman Trophy candidate in your in your <laughs> farm system. Kind of explain to us, because I mean, I've seen Kyler Murray enough. I'm a Longhorn fan, so I've been to enough Oklahoma baseball games to know better than to doubt Kyler Murray, as well as Oklahoma football games at this point. But what are A's fans getting from Kyler Murray, and what does he do extremely well that boosted him to be a number one uh, first-round pick, basically? Uh, well, I, you know, I had definitely multiple people in the A's front office just rave about his athleticism. Um, you know, they kind of feel that he could do everything. I think the the tool that really pops for him is his speed. You know, uh, he really has top top notch speed. Both, um, you know, he they see him as a center fielder, so they see him covering a lot of ground in center field, and they see him being a guy who can be a real threat on the base paths. Uh, I think they they'd love to have uh, Ricky Henderson, who, who works for the A's. Get, get his hands on Kyler Murray, you know, and uh, uh, see what, what kind of threat he could turn him into. Um, so they definitely are impressed by his speed, but they believe, you know, that he, he you know, he's a potential five-tool prospect. You know, they think he can he can do everything well, that he's such an athlete, um, you know, that he can, he can perform well in every aspect of the game. The thing is just getting him into the game. <laughs> so, um, you know, obviously they're hoping that, that he foregoes football and, uh, you know, sets the Heisman Trophy on the mantle and uh, and moves right along. Uh, he's uh, currently, you know, set to join the team in spring training uh, in February. Um, and, uh, you know, they're hoping that there's just no football to, in- to interfere with it. I mean, if he can devote himself 100 percent to baseball, you know, they believe he can be a, a, a top notch uh, prospect and 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 develop fairly quickly um obviously if football enters into the picture that that you know gums up the works a little bit you'd rather not have that happening so um hopefully from the eighth point of view you know he's ready to commit to baseball 100 percent come this spring 
and uh, and you know hopefully be ready to, to to move up through the system very quickly. The A's have a, a have a, a number of um, uh, good uh, outfield prospects, um, uh, including Austin Back, who was their number one pick the prior year, and then the uh, the Cuban prospect uh, Lazaro Armenteros, uh, Lazarito. So I think the A's would love to envision a you know an outfield of uh, Lazarito, Kyler Murray, and and Austin Back as they uh, get ready to hopefully move into a, a new stadium that they're. Uh, that they're projecting uh, uh, about uh, about uh, four, uh, four or five seasons from now. So it's not often that something like this happens either, the fact that somebody has to choose between baseball and football, because normally people are better at one sport than the other, but with Kyler, it seems to be the exact opposite. Kyler seems to be great at both sports, and it's not often that you get something like that. I mean, um, Michigan thought they had it with Drew Henson when he was at, in college with Tom Brady, and he had to choose between basketball, I mean, baseball and football. You got the guys like Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson is the poster child for something like this. Right. And and again, we're talking about a superb athlete, and that's that's how you get this done. Yeah, I don't know if you if you saw their Kyler Murray post for a, a picture that was uh, you know a takeoff on the 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 Bo Jackson one where he's got the shoulder pads on and the bat over the baseball bat over his shoulders. So, you know, he, he, he clearly consciously put himself in the Bo Jackson mold right there. And, you know, I, if anybody who's come along in recent years could do it, it, it could possibly be him. Of course, you know, there's a lot of people skeptical about his height and, you know, in the NFL, could he be successful? There's a lot of these quarterbacks that are great college quarterbacks that don't succeed in the NFL, but, you know, uh, you know, from, from an A's perspective, perspective all they're concerned about is that he plays baseball well and that he plays it regularly obviously baseball is the kind of game that you need reps you need to be out there on the field doing it all the time um and you know obviously if he's going off and dealing with football you know that that's probably going to slow his development he's still got a ways to go so you know they're hoping he commits to baseball 100 we'll see what happens scott boris keeps reassuring everyone that his agent that 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 baseball is is going to be his sole focus and then kyler murray will come out and say something that kind of muddies the waters a little bit so uh so we'll see what happens i think he's still got a little love of football in his heart but we'll, we'll see if uh, see if he can be prevailed upon to uh, to stick with baseball which is definitely definitely what the a's and a's fans would love to see him do you know he doesn't have the same frame as Bo would be. Right. Bo was an absolute moose. He was just a ridiculous athlete. But Colin Murray is no slouch either. And, you know, I think he's going to be just as good as a baseball player as a football player. And it's going to be fun to see him, you know, develop and see how that goes. And you never know. He could turn into that guy that, you know, breaks the mold for being a pro athlete in today's age with both sports, with all the conditioning and all the focus and all these crazy workouts and training that these guys do nowadays that they didn't do in the 80s and 90s. He can maybe break the, break the mold with that, and it's going to be interesting seeing him come up through the system because I think he does play baseball. I don't think he would have you know, signed. I don't think he would have entered the draft and you know, stuck it out as long as he did. If he didn't love the game, it seemed like football came secondary to him. So uh, you know, all the best with him. Jumping over to starting pitching, a lot of people on this roster, arguably you know, your best pitcher now, current, former, you know, past, whatever – Good one in a while. Show him an eye there. He's hurt. He's going to come back at some point. I'm just going to pencil him in to this you know, rotation. But you have Chris Bassett, who was pretty good this year. You had Cotton, who just needs some development. You have Montes, who I really like. Megden, who when he's healthy, he is on. Triggs there as well. 
And someone that you traded for last year who, you know, as a Red Sox fan, I really was looking at because he dominated the Red Sox for a few games was Michael Fears. And I believe he signed an extension with you guys, correct? Uh, yeah, uh, Fires became a free agent. Uh, the A's didn't uh, didn't tender him a contract, and he became a free agent, and then came back and signed a two year deal with the A's for just a little over seven million a year uh, average, which is uh, exactly the kind of uh, kind of deal the A's uh, like to make. I think they're trying to trying to 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 stay under about eight million a year on uh, any starting pitchers they're bringing into the fold. So Fires was projected to make over nine million in arbitration. They managed to bring him back on a two year deal uh, for a little uh, under a little over seven million a year. So at this point, he's he's probably the best healthy starting pitching option in the, in the A's projected rotation uh, right now, as of today, anyway. Yeah, it seems like that, and you you kind of just hit the head, you know, right there. And injuries are a big part of this pitching staff, and it's really what derailed you guys, it seemed like, towards the end of the year. If everyone's healthy on this roster, because they will be at some point, you guys, you have under every single one of those pitchers I just mentioned instead of fears is under contract till at least 2022 with a guy like Blackburn and Gossett under until 2023. So they will be on this team in the future. We'll skip away from 2019 opening day, but even in, you know, later in 2019, who is your ideal starting five for this year and next year? You know, say if everybody was magically healthy, if we turned injuries off and it will be the show right now and you had your whole roster to you, who's the starting five that you would send out there right now? Well, I'll tell you, uh, uh, people who follow the A's aren't used to looking at, uh, at things in terms of an ideal world. So, <laughs> I know, I threw you for a loop. I, I'm, making, I'm, I'm taking salary out, I'm taking injuries right. out. So you, got, you have a lot of talent on this roster, well, and they're going to control an arbitration. So they're going to be there for at least a few more years. Well, I think as you as you mentioned, I think probably the, the um, you know the best uh, starting pitcher um, in the picture picture who's had you know major league experience with the A's is Sean Mania. Um, he he's unfortunately had to have surgery. The original projection was that he would miss the entire 2019 season. Uh, now the A's front office is saying that he could be back after the All Star break, which would be a great shot in the arm uh, for the A's if you could have Manaya back. Um, uh, as you mentioned, number of, of, of there's three guys making their way back from Tommy John, uh, Jarrell Cotton, Daniel Gossett, and uh, one of the team's top pitching prospects, AJ Puck. They're all coming back from Tommy John, so they're probably not even going to be starting to throw until June anyway, um, you know, in the minor leagues. So it, it'd be pretty tough to count on any of those guys in the second half, really. Um, uh, Manaya again, is a top guy. Of course, another terribly exciting guy that could start the season with the A's. If not, will certainly be up in the second half. He's expected to be anyway. It's Jesus Lazardo, um, the left-hander the A's got from uh, the Nationals in the Sean Doolittle, Ryan Madsen deal. He's definitely the A's top pitching prospect right now. He he blew through high A and double A last year and was just dominant in almost every start. Uh, he got a little taste of triple A at the end of last season. Uh, I think he's he's the most exciting pitcher in in the A's 
pitching picture at this point, people would love to see him. The question is, does he start the season in rotation or do they keep him in AAA for a little bit, buy a little extra service time uh, and then bring him up? But I think by the second half, he'll he'll probably be uh, one of the most exciting pitchers in, in uh, making his debut in the majors. Um, if Sean Manaya is there healthy, that would be a great one, too. They're both uh, lefties, um, which is kind of exciting. If A.J. Puck, who was the A's, uh, top draft pick a couple of years ago can come back from Tommy John Strong. He's also a left-hander, and you then have Manaya, Lazardo, and Puck as three dominant young left-handed pitchers, all under uh, control uh, by the A's for a number of years to come. That would be a, a great top of the rotation if healthy. Then the A's have guys like Fires, who's who's in on a two-year deal right now. They've also got Daniel Mengden, who's performed well. You know, looks like a classic back end of the rotation starter. Frankie Montaz throws awful hard. Can definitely uh, impress. He's been a little inconsistent, but when he's on, he's on. As you mentioned, Chris Bassett is also in, in the mix. Uh, uh, Blackburn is coming back from a lot of injury issues as well. So there's a, there's a lot of guys in that mix. If, if the season started tomorrow, it probably be uh, Fires, Mangdon, Montaz, Bassett, and then maybe either uh, Blackburn or Lizardo if they wanted to start the season with him. But hopefully by the second half of the season, they can have uh, Manaya, um, Lizardo, Fires, uh, Mangdon, and then maybe one of, one of those other guys, Montaz, Bassett, or, uh, or Blackburn uh, to plug in there at the, uh, in the fifth spot. Yeah, it just makes this team so dangerous and, and the lineup so, well, the pitching rotation so deep later down the line, either next year or, you know, even later this year. Yeah, you mentioned Andrew Triggs as well. He's coming back from injury. Uh, the A's have uh, have now said they're looking to move him to the bullpen. I think uh, they're worried about the the strain on his uh, on his arm uh, with the work that a starter does. So it looks like they're going to try to try to bring him back as a reliever rather than have him in the in the uh, starter mix. Yeah, I mean, uh Let's go to the bullpen now. I mean, it should be pretty simple, actually. Uh, but there's some arms in that bullpen, man. Mm -hmm. The guy that really impressed me last year was Lou Trevino. Just the way he came in and shut games down before it was even his, before it was even, they even got to Trinan. Yeah. Then you bring in a guy like Soria and Fernando Rodney, who's been everywhere in his career. And, you know, if you have that many arms in the bullpen, you become lethal in the playoffs. And the only problem with this A's team at that point was they, decided to go a full-on bullpen game, and I'm pretty sure Hendricks started the game and became the yeah. scapegoat. But, uh, I mean, I, Lou Trevino really impressed me. Blake Trinan emerged as an elite closer, a top-five closer in baseball, in my opinion, last year. Uh, so, kind of break down how this bullpen will finish going. I mean, we could even do six, seven, eight, nine if you had to. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a lot of strong arms in the pen, and the A's really relied on that pen last year. Um, you know, at the end of the year, uh, every uh, no one in the A's starting rotation was someone who had even been in the system to start the year. You know, the, the, there were so many injuries, so many problems with starting rotation. They had to go out, you know, and bring in guys like Edwin Jackson and Trevor Cahill and uh, Brett Anderson, you know, and go out and acquire Mike Fires, you know. So so they ended up with a completely patchwork rotation. And because of that, they really had to rely on the bullpen to do a tremendous job to, to get them, you know, 
to the postseason. Fortunately, Blake Trinan, who was originally drafted by the A's and then was traded to the Nationals and then traded back to the A's, really emerged as one of the best relievers in the game last year. I mean, he finished the season with an ERA under one. You know, <laughs> So, I mean, Trinan, I think, gave up maybe seven or eight earned runs the entire year. So he was absolutely lights out as the closer. And before they went out and, and started acquiring a bunch of veteran relief arms uh, late in the season, they called up Lou Trevino, who really, as you said, served, you know, as a, as a shutdown setup man. So between Trevino and Trinan, they were they were just, you know, they were just shutting everyone out in the eighth and ninth inning. For most of the season, the A's hadn't hadn't lost a game that they led heading into the eighth inning. So um, those guys were lights out. Now, they added Fernando Rodney late last year. They they exercised his option, brought him back. So he's going to be in the bullpen again, a very experienced guy, as we all know. And then they went out and signed Joaquin Soria, who had a, a, a really strong year last year as well. Uh, so between Trinan, Trevino, Rodney, Soria, those are four pretty strong arms. And Yusmero Petit, they signed as a free agent last year, and he very quietly had a strong season in the bullpen last year. He actually uh, led the A's in, in appearances. I think he got into close to 75 games last year for the team. Um, and then I think probably filling out the bullpen will be uh, uh, Hendricks, as you mentioned, who started the uh, wild card game. And then you'll, uh, on the left side, they've really only got one strong lefty reliever. That's Ryan Buckter. And then uh, you might have guys like Ryan Dahl and J.B. Wendelkin fighting for the final spot. But, you know, most of those bullpen spots are pretty solid and, and, and pretty locked up at the this point it's definitely an area that the team the team can count on uh, this coming season we can't not sit here and talk about the a's and not talk about chris davis no. i mean the most the most you know i'm trying to think of the best way to put this predictable and you know average and every good word about you know what you're getting out of him is chris davis in the last four years he's batted 247 not on average total every single year right on the button in the last three years he's had 40 plus home runs in the last three years he's had 25 28 and 28 doubles his hits have been 137 140 142 his obp have been 307 336 and 326 you know exactly what to expect from chris davis you can close your eyes punch him in for 247 40 home runs 25 doubles and a bunch of strikeouts but man is he the heart and soul of this team when it comes to the lineup and when you need a big punch in a game? He delivers it almost every time. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's always great to have that big bopper in the lineup who can, who can put one out of the park at, at any given moment. And Chris Davis has certainly been that guy for the A's. I mean, they really got him for for next to nothing from, from the Brewers. That was quite a steal. And as you said, in his three seasons with the A's, he's hit 40 plus home runs each year. He led the team with 48 homers last year. Um, you know, he had the top slugging percentage on the team, had the top OPS on the team, you know, so he is that big bat. Like many power hitters, he's very streaky. You know, when he's hot, he's hot. You know, he can hit a couple in a game. And then when he goes cold, you know, you, you, you got a couple of weeks of just watching him miss everything. But on the whole, it's, you know, it's worth it. You know, he's a very productive hitter once the, once you tally things up on the season. And he's great to have in the heart of that lineup. Uh, He's in his last year of team control with the A's this year. They're going to arbitration with him, and he's he's in line to probably become the highest paid 
A of all time, you know, he'll pro he's probably expected to get between 17, 18, 19 million in arbitration this year, which is definitely far more than the A's have ever pay <laughs> paid anyone. Uh, but but he's proved his worth. Um, so hopefully, um, you know, the A's can make another strong uh, postseason run this year with him with him there because it's probably likely to be his last season but if he can put up another 40 plus home runs and, and hit 247 they'll be perfectly happy uh, pay, paying him what he's earned uh, uh in 2019 we kind of we kind of make fun of the rays on the show just because every time the rays have a decent player on their team and they're out of contention they trade them i mean right. they thought that they were out of contention this year traded chris archer got pieces back you know we've been joking lately it's like huh you know Better not, uh, better not be bad, or they might trade Blake Snell. Right. If this A's team is not good, as Chris Davis's contract starts expiring, do you think they would attempt to move him, or is he just too much of a part of Oakland to do that? No, I think. I mean, I you know, I think if there's any team that's shown you know like the Rays that they're not afraid to move someone when it's in their best interest, it's the A's. And look, if the A's are clearly out of contention in the second half and they're not really playing for anything and you've got a superstar all-star slugger on the roster making you know 19 million and uh, you know you can trade him and avoid having to pay the, the the last half of that and get some prospects in return um you know I, I i i'm certain they would obviously the a's you know hope and plan to be in contention and not be in that spot in which case they're happy to ride out the contract with with Chris Davis, but if they're out of it, you know, the A's are, you know, are always going to, you know, uh, make something out of nothing. And, and, you know, if they're not fighting for a postseason spot, they, they just as soon, um, you know, cash in any chips they can that, and, and get some future prospects to, to help fill in the blanks. Um, I don't think there's any question about that. And, and Chris Davis will likely to be the most valuable player that will be on a, on a one-year contract for the, for the team next year. See, and I don't see how they won't be in contention next year with as bad as the division is. I mean, the Rangers basically hand you 17 games a year. The, the Mariners don't know what they are at this point. And the Angels, the Angels constantly underachieve. It's just over That's and over what again. what they do best. Yeah, yeah. They, they sign big contracts and the guys all of a sudden start declining. Outside of Mike Trout, I mean, it's just insane. I, I expect the same thing to happen with Lucroy, but... Uh, I mean, th this A's team should be at least close, if not in the playoff picture once again. Yeah, I mean, it's easy, certainly, to, I think, conceive of a scenario much like last year where most of the American League West underachieves. The only problem is you've still got the Astros in the division. So, you know, for, for a low-budget team to be able to overcome the Astros to, to win the division title is definitely a stretch. Now, it's possible. They they weren't that far away from doing it this last season, but that's definitely, uh, you know, a big hurdle to overcome. The more likely scenario is is what happens uh, what happens is what happened last year is where the A's end up in, in the wild card uh, hunt, you know. So, uh, obviously, you've got the Red Sox and the Yankees both being powerhouses in the AL East and you know that that and the AL Central is pretty weak outside of Cleveland too so I mean it does really look like the the four top teams in the AL are, are the Red Sox the Yankees the Indians and the Astros and then that leaves one final wild card spot for everybody else to fight over and and uh, I think the A's hope you know that 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 they will be that team and maybe if they get lucky and get a few breaks they, they can overcome the Astros but but if not as as long as they're a, one of the top five teams in the league uh they're they're going to be there playing at playing at some point in the postseason anyway 
Yeah, they're they're an interesting team. And honestly, if the Cleveland Indians decide to do what they've been saying, which is trading away a bunch of these guys, they will be the fourth best team. They will be better than Cleveland. If they lose Kluber and Bauer or even one of them, I don't see how they're going to be better than Oakland once Oakland gets healthy. Oakland has a lot of problems with their starting pitching health right now, but that won't last all year or, or especially not next year either. So when Cleveland's going to be going down, either trading away Bauer or one of them, and they have their own injuries where Bauer was hurt this year, Clevenger was hurt this year, you had uh, Kluber was banged up for a little bit, nothing crazy, but Oakland won't have those problems later down the line, and their lineup's always been good. So I think that's tied to turning with that with that team down there, and well, out there, I should say, for me, which is <laughs> you know way out there for me since I'm on the East Coast, but... Oakland's on the up and coming, and you know if they, I will be very happy if they actually do give Chris Davis their money that he deserves because it would show the fans that yes, we are low budget, but when we see someone that we have to hold on to, like a Manaya, like a Chris Davis, they will. And for all the Oakland fans and for baseball fans in general, it's fun when small teams like that make runs, like when Kansas City went on their World Series runs those couple years. It was fun to watch. So watching Oakland's going to be a good time next year. Yeah, I think everybody always enjoys the underdog story. And the one thing about the A's is they're always the underdog, you know. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it, it is fun for, for everyone, even even people outside of the Bay Area, when, when the A's win. It's always an interesting story. Um, I think one thing that, that people, uh, you know, just aren't really aware of is that last season, the A's uh, scored more runs than than every team in the major league save for three the red sox the yankees and the indians yeah during the so, second half of the year they outscored everybody by a lot yeah so th- this this young offense that the a's have put together is is a really you know productive and potent force you know um uh it you know it's not just that you know they had enough to get by they were one of the top offenses in the league uh so if the if you know, if they can keep the pitching together, keep the bullpen strong, certainly if they can keep that starting pitching together through the first half anyway, when it looks to be a little weak and then maybe get some reinforcements in the second half, you can strengthen that pitching for for the run without even having to go out and make deals, hopefully just internally from from all the guys you've got coming back from injuries in the second half, being able to provide a, a bit of a boost. But I think the health and the performance of the starting staff one way or another is, is going to be what determines uh, the 2019 season for the A's one way or another. 